The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's time for our weekly TV and streaming spot and Joe O'Shea is joined tonight by Sarah McGuinness. And let's start with the show that a lot of people are talking about and I have become obsessed with, The Last of Us. Who, Joe, would ever have thought that a TV Mm. show based on a video game would become such a hit? Yeah, I know there's been so many turkeys before, but I think that what makes The Last of Us special and, and a success in many ways is that they took uh, the basic framework of, of it from a very popular video game and they added in an incredible amount of humanity and that's what makes The Last of Us special. I mean, I, I kind of was reluctant to go to because of, of zombie series. I mean, I watched The Last of Us, or sorry, The Last of Us, The Walking Dead for the first three or four uh, series and then it just got so relentlessly dark and bleak and depressing I just couldn't stick with it anymore. Whereas The Last of Us, it, it's not about the horror. It's not about the zombies. I mean, obviously those things are in it and when the, when, when the, when the monsters are scary and the monsters feel very real. But what it is at the heart of it and especially the absolutely extraordinary episode three is it's about human relationships it's about hope it's about it's about being a parent it's about being a single parent it's about it's about a lot of things and and most of those things are not about zombies Sarah how's it grabbing you it didn't, to be perfectly honest, until episode three, as Joe mentioned. But it, that, yeah, so I, I thought episode one was quite bloated. It needed all the context, but it didn't grab me. I kind of had to make myself watch episode two. Um, but then once it really, as Joe said, gets into the humanity of it all, like w- watch episode three, stick with it until episode three. It's po- possibly the most moving television I've watched in a long while. Um I, and I don't really know what to expect from the rest of it now. I haven't watched four or five. I've started four. I'm a little bit into it. But um, it did throw me. I wasn't expecting the storyline. It's basically episode three is a bit of an unexpected love story. The last thing you'd expect to find in an apop- apocalyptic drama. But um, absolutely stunning. And I'm looking forward to kind of being thrown again, I guess. Well, I'm totally up to date at the end of episode five, which is absolutely terrific television. But the other thing, Sarah, that is extraordinary about it, apart from all of the things that Joe was quite rightly focused on, is just how it looks, how they've managed to create this world. It's absolutely stunning. In the first episode, what the first thing, it's probably about 40 minutes in, that really caught my attention is um, this body, that corpse really, that's kind of glued to a wall, but engulfed in the fungal infection. It sounds disgusting, but it's stunning. It genuinely is stunning. And like the way that it's shot, um, like it's set after the world has ended, basically, and um, civilization is in ruins. But there's also these beautiful shots of libraries and they're trying to get through cities and there's gorgeous moss everywhere. It's I yeah. think it's absolutely beautiful to look at as well. Yeah, because Joe, Boston is actually recognisable, even though it, it it's is, in bits. That- it looks extraordinary because, you know, we're used to um, apocalyptic, you know, these series where everything's burnt and bleached out and it's, you know, it's a harsh sun and it looks terrible. But actually, it, there's a kind of a beauty to this world. It's kind of green and you can almost, there's a sense as well that the, the most of the humans out of the way, it's like nature fought back and found a way to kind of like defeat the humans. And also, you have to say that the the cast and the actor, the talent is like Bella Ramsey, who plays the young the young girl in it, the young child soldier. I suppose she's she's extraordinary. And Pedro Pascal, who in the, the first time I saw him in Narcos, I was think I I remember thinking this guy is has got a lot, got the lot. They're they're just brilliant. It's so believable. I mean, it's such an extraordinary premise for a story, but you absolutely believe that they're going through what they're going through. 
It won't be for everyone because of the zombies and the sort of these scenes of how they get I, killed. I would or disagree. They kill. I think it would be for everyone because I am not a video game person. I am the last video, like I am the least gamer you will ever come across. But the fact that it is so deeply rooted in human relationships, I think there's something in it for everyone. I okay. really do. Let's talk about other human relationships. Rory O'Neill, Paddy Bliss, was on Dancing with the Stars last night. And this is what he had to say about his HIV journey. I was diagnosed HIV positive in 1996 by my local GP and he immediately sent me to the clinic in St. James. And on my first visit, I sat down opposite Fiona Walcahy, consultant, and she told me that I probably could expect to live five to ten years, ten if I was lucky. Um, I was only 27 or something at the time. And I knew people already who had died from AIDS-related illnesses. Getting diagnosed with HIV felt like the end of the world. But today, HIV is an easily manageable condition. This is a happy story with a happy ending. Sarah, you were taken with this. Yeah, I was. And now I'm not the biggest Dancing with the Stars fan. I haven't watched it, but I watched this. I knew I did. I knew it was coming up, so I watched it. Um, it actually was really moving. It was really powerful. So usually Rory dances as Panty, full drag, you know, it's quite kitschy. Um, but this week it, it was actually very moving. You knew for, as soon as the intro came in, basically the it was dedicated dance week. So you dedicate the dance to someone who's made a very important influ- uh, impact on your life. And of course, um, Dr. Fiona Mulcahy has made an extraordinary impact on Rory's life. Um, but yeah, like I think it was absolutely beautifully done. Um he was so like vulnerable, as you heard there. Uh, they danced to It's a Sin, um, which, of course, is the title of Channel 4's miniseries, tackling the same subject, HIV. Um, yeah, really, really beautiful, really hopeful. And um, he, I was looking back at interviews that Rory has done previously. And um, in one of them, he caught, like he's all about breaking down the stigma surrounding HIV. And that's not something my generation would really think about a lot, you know, because it's so treatable. Um but he made the point that for someone who's perhaps living in rural Ireland and a member of their local GAA club, it's impossible for them to talk about. Uh, so the fact that he's on national television, you know, usually making a fool of himself, as he said, but then doing something as powerful as this, I thought it was um, really stunning, really well done. What did you take from it, Joe? Rory's always been a very interesting, articulate guy. And what I always think is very interesting with him is he manages to mix the kind of, you know, the high camp of drag and, and have a great sense of humour about what he does, but also to, to make very interesting points and as a great ambassador for his community as well. And to just tell his story very simply and very, you know, there wasn't any great drama about it. There wasn't any, you know, and then they told me and then, you know, it was just very straightforward, very human and, and it's just it's just a fantastic story. OK, Joe, I didn't watch Super Bowl last night. I was just too tired and I wish I had now because it looks like it was another thriller. But yeah. of course for many people it's uh, it's not actually the game. It's the entertainment and the ads. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of the people who turned up perhaps unexpectedly in ads. Well I think the one that really stood out for everybody there was quite a, there was a, quite a range of celebrities as there always are. I would say $7 million for a 30 second uh, spot in the ad. So what they have to do is go big and what, what the, the one that I think a lot of people especially on social media got really interested in was when they brought out Brian Cranston Cranston Aaron Paul of course uh, Jesse and Walter White from Breaking Bad um, 
No, they were promoting a a new type of popcorn Dorito kind of thing called popcorners or something. And basically, they were what the skit was. They've made this kind of addictive ha ha kind of new cooked it up this new junk food really. And they also had Raymond Cruz, you know, the psychotic, um, you know, drug dealer from the show. I didn't enjoy it because what it did for me and what a lot of these do, especially when they're skits on, you know, serious drama. Breaking Bad is one of the best dramas of all time. It's, you know, an, an absolute classic for me. And it kind of belittles it and makes fun of it and kind of takes... I, it's hard to look again at those characters and kind of think you know, they, that they're real, you know. So it, well, actually, it, it, you know it was We actually hit. have a clip from yeah. the ad, so let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a bomb. And they're air popped, not fried. Popcorners? You're an artist. Actually, Jesse, it's just basic ingredients. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. White! Jesse. Everyone's gonna want to taste. And I know just the guy to talk to. What are these? We call them popcorners. Say their name. <laughs> Popcorners. Tight, tight, tight. Yeah. How much of this stuff do you have? We've got six signature flavors, y'all. Seven. You make seven. Seven. Seven works. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. I mean, if you didn't actually know Breaking Bad, would that have yeah. actually made any sense to you? It make no sense whatsoever. You know, and, and like, know, it's not crystal meth, but anyway. No, but yeah, basically they're treating popcorn as crystal meth. That's the whole <laughs> skit, you know. And okay, great. I don't know what that's supposed to say to people who are really into that, into 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 that kind of stuff. But uh, but Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck did a kind of a more slightly more charming ad for a, a, a very well known um, donut chain, which had a bit more fun to it. And and then Ozzy Osbourne and Joan Jett and Billy Idol and all these guys show up as well. So it's it, it, the, the Super Bowl is funny. Last night was a very dramatic game but the, what everybody was talking about along with the drama was the ads and also Rihanna and well, Rihanna ask, went over huge let me ask Sarah about Rihanna how good was she not great what how is she pregnant again how well, Sarah that's very easy to answer <laughs> oh, yeah, we won't go into that now when but, a man and a woman really yeah. really love each other no but oh my god so it starts for anyone who hasn't seen the performance of a really close up uh, really close up shot of her beautiful face pans out and at first, I knew she was pregnant before I watched it. But like, you know, she's a very bo- po- uh, body positive woman. So a lot of people were kind of thinking, OK, like, is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Is she just showing off her postpartum body? No one really knew. But like I, m- myself and Orla were talking about it outside. And um, like, I'm, I was kind of critiquing it. I was like, she wasn't doing a lot of movement. There wasn't really a lot going on. But she's also pregnant. So you can't really dispute it. Like, you can't really say it wasn't that entertaining because she was literally pregnant. And part of me is questioning, why did she do it? And why did they have her do it? But then, obviously, you know, that child is paid for before it's even out of the womb. That's her child set up for life. Absolutely sorted. I wasn't that impressed with it. Although, ironically, apparently, sometimes the performers at Halftime Super Bowl don't get paid. They actually pay to get on on the basis of all the money that they can make out of it elsewhere. Okay, let's go to Picks of the Week. You've got one that's on an RT documentary on tonight. Joe, for people of our age, one of the greatest Irish footballers we ever had a chance to see. The greatest, in my humble opinion, because what well, he did... Hey, hang on, Irish... boy, better than Roy Keane. <laughs> yeah, well, you can make that argument because Roy Keane played his entire career in England. Liam Brady uh, went to 
Europe in 1980, you know, as he, still as a young man, uh, when very few foreigners played in Italy, and he played for two of the biggest teams. Uh, he played for Juventus and won, I think, two titles with them. And he played for Inter Milan, he played for Ascoli, and he played for Sampdoria. It, and he learned Italian, and he lived there for seven years, and he loved the experience. And he, you know, and, and I think this is what has made this documentary interesting. It's called, called Liam Brady, The Irishman Abroad. Tonight, half nine on RT One. And I think it's if people only know Liam Brady as the kind of curmudgeonly, cranky pundit on, on RTE, I think this is going to show a different side to him. And an extraordinary story, you know, that t- and also like that takes in some of the greatest uh, players from the greatest era of, of football, you know, and the Maradine, Maradona. Well, actually, we have a clip here of Liam Brady yeah. talking about playing against Maradona when Maradona played for Napoli. Probably the three best players I played against were uh, Zico, Platini and Maradona. I played against Argentina uh, when he was just a boy. He was only 17 or 18 and he didn't even have number 10. He had number 17. And I got short after a match. Must have made me a good scout. I thought, he's good. I'm sure he also mentioned Zico and Michel Platini there as well in that. Yeah. And it's extra- and actually, the, the, why, how we got treated by Juventus is a fascinating story as well, because they could only have two foreigners at the time, and they they bought a guy called Platini, who actually was a pretty good player as well, and had to give Brady the the, the elbow. But it, I think he he also is mad about music, and you hear like um, you know the music in the background. He picks the music, he soundtrack soundtracks it himself. It's a it's about the pre Charlton era of of Irish football as well, and and even his international career apparently is just kind of is mainly an afterthought at the end of the documentary it's mostly about Brady and his time in Italy OK um, to finish Sarah McGuinness what's your pick? Um, it's called Better it's on tonight um, on BBC at 9pm basically the question is is it going to be the new Happy Valley it's a crime thriller um, where this corrupt DCI called Lou Slack played by Leila Farzard um, has struck up a deal with this um, the man who is now leading Leeds crime underground situation um, who's played by Andrew Buchan who I've been obsessed with since Broadchurch he's brilliant um, basically something happens and this DCI must reckon with her morals she has to basically try and right all of her wrongs it's a redemption story um, it's five parts um, and kind of like The Last of Us while all of this kind of seedy crime thriller action is going on at the root of it it really is about morality and kind of finding oh, I thought your you way back said it was about zombies so. no <laughs> no 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 we've already talked about the zombies okay BBC does that sort of stuff very well so that's better which is on at nine o'clock this evening Sarah McGuinness Joe Shea thank you both so much for being with us The Last Word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4.30 today FM.